Hello, 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 everybody. I am Dr. Rosina Bakari, your favorite empowerment expert, here with my good friend, Dr. Stephanie Singleton, my favorite folklorist. And this is the Healing Challenge podcast. And we are excited to have you here with us. And you know, Dr. Singleton is going to ask me all the tough questions on the topic today healing generational wounds. So I am excited to have all of you all here. And I want to know what's up, Dr. Singleton. What's up, Dr. McCarry? What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining the podcast. And we have a toughie for you today. So before we get started, please share, share, share this podcast to your friends, to your family, and even your frenemies on all your social media platforms, because somebody that you know is looking to be whole. Two halves don't make a whole, so it just makes a whole. So don't forget to check us out at HealingChallenge2022.com. Sign up for the challenge and drop us a line and let us know how you like the podcast. And, you know, hey, ask Dr. Bakari a few questions for a chance to have it answered on our next podcast. So, and furthermore, before we get started, we want to give a shout out to Sharana in North Carolina. Hey, Sharana. Sharana is our very first subscriber to the Healing Challenge 2022. Thank you so much, Sharana. Welcome, 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 welcome. We are happy about everyone who has already registered and we look forward to your registration too. So now with all that being said, okay, buckle up, buckle up, buckle up everyone because today's discussion is on a hard but necessary topic. So luckily we have Dr. Bakari to help us with this and get us through this. So we may step on some toes today, Dr. Bakari. Okay, all right. This one, because so, we're digging really deep here. So everybody just get your pens, pencils, journals, papers, whatever, because I'm telling you, you're going to want to take notes for this one. Okay. So without further ado, we're just into it. Okay. So my first question, Dr. Bakari, is this topic of generational uh, wounds. We've been hearing a lot about that recently, but, you know, break that down for us. Explain exactly when people say generational wounds, what are they referring to? So when we talk about generational wounds, and that's a really good uh, place for us to start today, we're really talking about the passing down of emotional responses to unhealed wounds. And so there are a lot of ways that wounds come into our lives. Wounds can come into our lives as individuals. Someone individually hurt me. They can uh, also come in in systemic ways when groups of people are subjected to oppression or harm or, uh, or catastrophe like Hurricane Katrina or like uh, the Ireland famine, for example. And people then have to develop some tendencies that help them survive whatever those experiences are. So the tendencies and behaviors, our behaviors shift towards survival of an event. But sometimes if we don't process further those events, then the behaviors that we take on for survival can get passed down to the next generation 
that, but those behaviors then become maladaptive because that danger or threat is no longer present. So it's just us playing out the unhar uh, the unhealed wounds of our ancestors. Sorry about that. Um, so that, okay, these generational wounds, okay, these are being passed down. It could be from trauma. It could be from several other things, okay, uh, that we could pass these down. So can you give us an example um, of, of, of some of these wounds how, and how people got them? Sure. So let's say on a one-on-one -on -one basis, for example, you know, I work a lot with uh, adult survivors of childhood trauma, whether it's sexual, tra sexual trauma, emotional trauma, physical trauma, and that's an individual who's in an unsafe environment. Because they're in an unsafe environment, they then, then have to develop survival techniques instead of developing in the way that is optimal to human beings' um, own enlightenment, personal, spiritual, mental growth, right? Instead, they develop patterns for survival. When those wounds are unhealed, then they pass those patterns down to the next generation. So for example, one of those patterns may be, especially for adult survivors, often children who grow up in unsafe environments have tendencies uh, to use, I'll say invisibility as a superpower. Like that's a, that's a big one. And so the way to be safe is to be small, is to not ask questions, is to take care of other people and hope that they'll take care of you, right? Instead of having these soft landings where you can take risks, ask all the questions you want, somebody, you fall down, someone um, uh, kisses your boo-boo and says, oh, it's going to be okay. Oftentimes you don't get that or you get that in an erratic way where you're also in danger at the same time. So one of the things that you have to, one of the ideas that you adapt or adopt to deal with the world and make yourself safe is, is developing an internal understanding that the world is an unsafe place. If the world is an unsafe place, right, you don't take risk, you make yourself small. Now you have children, then the first lesson you teach them is the world is an unsafe place. Even though you never do anything to put them in danger, even though their whole environment is relatively safe, but what gets passed down to them is that the world is an unsafe place. So they also don't take risks. They also tend to shrink themselves and use invisibility. But now invisibility is not a superpower. Invisibility is maladaptive to them. I believe this is one way that we get so many children who underachieve or become only mediocre because no one ever teaches them to show up big in the world because they can be raised by parents who learned that invisibility was a superpower. And so we forget to raise children using their voice as a superpower, taking risk as a superpower, being seen as a superpower. How much have you heard? Don't be seen, be heard, right? But that's, not, that's a maladaptive thought in the world today, especially, right? So that's one way that, uh, that um, we can pass down generational wounds. So even though, even though nothing, nothing particularly horrifying, horrifying ever happens to this person, they could be living out the wounds 
of their parents who may have had something personally happen to them. Same thing happens on a cultural basis, right? And we know too much now about the word called epigenetics, which is research in some of the ways in which these uh, behaviors can play out based on, based on what the generations before have experienced. So that's the term. You can look it up, epigenetics, that tells us how genes will become expressed, right, in an environment, depending on what's in that environment. So when, when something happens in that environment, epigenetics simply tell us it doesn't end in that environment. This behavior may get introduced in this generation and be carried down long after that generation is gone. So for example, we know for sure that we still have some maladaptive, may have been adaptive, but we're still using our beha some behaviors that were prominent and important for us during slavery, for example, on both sides, slaves and the slave owners, right? People are still carrying maladaptive behaviors that were passed down to them. That's one of the reasons it's so important to start really addressing how race plays out in this country because both sides are still carrying generational wounds. It happens. Let's take it and let's look at, uh, at Ireland or even Hurricane Katrina where you have these catastrophes and people suffer greatly in their mental health and perhaps in how they see the world and their need for survival. And what we see is that generations later, these people, these survivors, communities that have had to survive these catastrophes have worse mental health than their peers or peer groups who did not have that experience. And so the point is that generational wounds means people are carrying out the behaviors that were developed before they were born because we did not deal adequately with the wounds or maybe we could not deal adequately with the wounds. And so we passed down the responsibility to heal those wounds. I'm gonna say that we passed down the responsibility to heal those wounds to the next generation. Yep. Mm, you know, oh my gosh, <laughs> but as you were speaking and giving some of these examples about invisibility as a superpower, you know, I'm like, oh my God, she is talking about my life. You know what I'm saying? Because um, I was raised in that generation where it really was, you know, children should be seen and, you know, and not heard. And I mean, and they meant that. Okay. <laughs> um, no, they did. And, and you yeah. know. And, you know, they would tell you that constantly, you know, and a lot of the adults weren't emotionally available. And um, it did take my it did take my voice. I was raised um, with a lot of perfectionism too. you know, like get it right. No tolerance for, you know, any mistakes, any failure. There was just no room for that, you know, and if you didn't get it perfect, you know, then, you you know. I was called out of my name, you know, that type of thing, you know, and 
forget about beatings, right? You know, <laughs> the beatings, you know, with the switch, with the extension cord, you know, which whatever they could get their hands on. And I know how some of it manifested for me later as an adult. It was the invisibility It because it was, yeah, I don't want to be seen because if somebody can see me, they can hurt me and I don't want to be hurt. It resulted in um, a lot of, I mean, I'm really just, just throwing this out there, condensing it, because there was there was a lot that it really uh, a lot of unhealthy patterns, like you said, maladaptive patterns um, that really impacted me so negatively, you know, as an adult, you know. But yeah, invisibility definitely was one. I had totally lost my voice. I am a survivor um, of 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 molest sexual molestation. Um, and um, you definitely lose your, lose your voice there. I totally, you know, lost yeah. that voice, and it also uh, brought about this um, this this habit in me to make sure other people were pleased, so I could be safe. So I was like the worst people pleaser, <laughs> you know, the dirtiest doormat anybody could really get because I did all of this stuff wanting to be safe, and it even would play out on my job. You know, if I did something. You know, I would hide my light of abortion, uh, so to speak, you know, because yes. I didn't want them out. You know, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to find out that I'm not perfect. And, you know, that perfectionism leads to a lot of procrastination because it's like, man, I got to make sure, you know, so I would sabotage myself. I mean, it's... <laughs> You know, I mean, you have to, you know, I have to, I could laugh about it now, but at the time, I really thought that I was just losing my mind. It was just like, well, what is wrong with me? Um, but then as I started trying to work through some of this, it was like, oh, okay. And it helped me that I knew a lot of my parents' uh, backstory. Um, mm -hmm. So it helped me that way not to like just totally hate them because again, it was, it was that abuse. They, you know, my parents, you know, they grew up in homes where there was a lot of domestic violence, you know, mm -hmm. going on. So yeah. they thought that was the way that you show love, even though they looked at it and was disturbed by it as they were children, but they picked that pattern up, you know, and I know for the longest time, and I'm going to cut this short because, you know, we want to get to uh, all the nuggets you have for us today, but I also remember getting into abusive relationships, whether they were physically abusive, whether they were emotionally abusive, because yep. I really honestly believe, I'm telling you, I believe that in order for me to be loved, I had to allow people to hurt me. The person who mm -hmm. claimed they loved me to hurt me, yep. you know? Yep. And I just thought, you know, <laughs> I just thought some of this is normal, you know, like, you know, we would joke about getting hit with extension cords and shoes and, you know, and all yep. these type of things, because, you know, well, that was the culture, you know, that's, and it's, and then it's later on that you realize like, oh my God, that was crazy. So I'm sorry to just take us on a tangent there, but what you said just struck me, you know, so hard. I just, I just totally identified with all of that passing down of wounds and, and behaviors. And we're thinking these things are normal. This is how it's supposed to be. You know, this is a culture. This is how it's done. And this is like, and when we look around, 
at the children or the adults, really, right? We look at the adults and like, dang, how are they so messed up? <laughs> it's like, it's the just, it's the passing down of this stuff and we don't want to talk about it. So um, having said all of that, I'm just going to ask you this, how can adults learn to identify if they're acting out? A lot of their behavior is really acting out generational wounds and what are some of those symptoms people can look for well thank you i appreciate the question but i don't want to gloss over your uh vulnerability in in responding to to uh that topic so i want to first say thank you for sharing that vulnerability because i think a lot of people will feel the same way it'll hit them the same way and I want to say to the people listening out there, it's very intentional that uh, Dr. Bakari and Dr. Singleton is bringing this information to you because one of the things that we want to do, we are intentional about doing this in this Healing Challenge podcast is being authentic and trying to give people permission to heal no matter their titles or their position or their age. You're not too old to heal. You're not too intelligent to heal. You don't make too much money to heal. Like everybody deserves a chance at the healing table as well. And we spend so much time trying to get to every other table that we never get around to the healing table. And you don't have to stop your life to heal. And you and healing should definitely not be about shame like we can't come on to the well i mean we can come on to the healing journey we do come on to the healing journey in shame but we can't let shame keep us from the healing journey because our lives are our lives and what we've experienced we've experienced and this is why this topic is so important because no matter what we have experienced we don't want to pass down this responsibility of healing these generational wounds to the next people who come behind us. So this is really what the healing challenge is all about. I dare you to heal the wounds that you came into this world with, in addition to whatever you added on top of that. And so people who assume that they have nothing to heal, I'm going to tell you, there's few of us that have nothing to heal. Few, few of us. Some of us have more to heal than others. Some of the healing is more obvious than others, closer to home than others. But there's too much that has happened in these last 100,000 years and 100 years to assume that we don't have anything to heal, right? That just means we haven't looked at it yet. So I just want to thank you um, for really leaning into that vulnerability because I know it's a big part of our podcast Dr. Singleton, and I appreciate you for that. Um, that being said, how do people know when they have something to heal? Well, I will tell you the reason why the book is called uh, The Healing Journey, Relationships and Wellness Guide is because people can hide a lot. Like, yeah, you can get letters behind your names. You can get fat bank accounts. You can travel the world. But for so many people, where the telltale sign is, is in relationships. The telltale sign is in relationships. Now, it may not be in your intimate relationship. It may be in your, like you were saying, uh, Dr. Singleton, it may be uh, evident in your relationships at work. You may have a great partner, get along fine, but at work, 
you fired every two years or less, or you can never get that promotion because nobody really wants you in charge of anything, or you're stuck in a position because you feel too small to apply for anything else. And so it can be affected in your career relationships with people. It can, of course, be affected in your birth family. I had a lot of things together in my life, but I was still having dinners with some of the people who violated me in one way or another, well into my 40s. That's not a healthy thing. Now, I know some of you might argue, oh, that's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's denial. And when I don't deal with those wounds, I leave it to the next generation. I'm not leaving anything to the, to the next generation. The dysfunction, the unhealed wounds stop here. They stop here, right? And so look at the relationships that you're having, not just somebody loves you, so you must be doing okay. But look at the relationships with your children. You're, you ha you're having complications with your children. Mm, I know I stepped on some toes there, right? But people use their people use their 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 kids escape. It's always the kids, right? It's always the kids. This kid don't listen, right? That sort of stuff. So I would say first and foremost, really be honest with yourself about how you are gauging in your relationships with people. If your relationships, if you have any area of relationships that that um, have a lot of conflict in it. That's really a telltale sign. And usually if you can't find any other symptoms, you'll find it in those relationships. So I would say that, of course, physical health is, is another one. When you constantly have these uh, physical ailments, particularly ail and, and we all know if we don't, there's a gazillion pieces of information. You don't have to look far about the relationships between our mental wellness and our physical wellness or physical outcomes. Mm -hmm. There's a whole field on that. It's called ACEs, A-C-E-S, Adverse Childhood Experiences Research. Ton of research that really uh, um, let us know with no uncertainty that, that our emotional well-being is impacts our physical well-being. So, if you're having these conditions and you can't figure out what's wrong with you, or you can figure out what's wrong, what's wrong with you, but you can't seem to manage it or get it under control, sometimes it is true that our wounds manifest as physical wounds or some type as well. And so that could also be a telltale sign, especially when you have things like, here's a big one, stepping on some toes, gastrointestinal is huge for unhealed wounds. It often manifests as the inability to literally to digest your food properly and eliminate waste. Lots of people have that. Lots of research tells us that there's a connection between our emotional wellness and gastrointestinal issues. Uh, we know for women, a lot of times menstruation uh, is either too heavy or is absent or something goes wrong uh, within that system. For some people, it's the skin condition. So there's a number of ways that it shows up physiological for us, particularly when we are living in denial or we're not, we're not adjusting those maladaptive behaviors into healthy behaviors. So it could show up that way as well. So, and again, we talk slightly about careers because you're not getting along or it oftentimes people just become underachievers, even with letters behind our names, we can become 
underachievers because we're still um, using invisibility as a superpower to keep ourselves safe. So those are just some of the ways that people can look and ask. And also, oh, and one more thing, sorry, big one. Here it is, stepping on everybody's toes now. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Anger is not a cultural characteristic. <laughs> if you cannot talk without shaking your head, I'm just saying, it may be some unresolved trauma there. We don't have to claim that because everybody don't have to talk and shake their head. Sometimes, sometimes it's the, it's the, it's the belief that we're constantly living under threat that causes us to do that. That it's difficult to intake information without something being triggered because we're already on edge, right? And so anger, and again, this is part of what leads to so much conflict, but I just wanna isolate that too. If there's constantly this, this discontent in you that makes that everything triggers you with a sense of anger, or a sense of crying. Somebody doesn't love me every time somebody doesn't return a text, right? So we call that um, um, really triggering our sensitivity. I don't like to use the word hypersensitivity, Ooh, but that's what I'm leaning toward. There are better words than that to describe it because you are where you are. So I don't, I, Ooh, I don't really like the word hyper anything, but sometimes when you have difficulty with emotional regulation, that's the word I'm looking for. Emotional regulation, because you are easily pushed toward anger or frustration or tears or sadness, you're easily pushed toward negative emotions in the ways that you that makes you feel out of control. Nothing wrong with all of those emotions. We should experience all of those emotions. But when we experience them in ways that make us feel out of control, chances are we're living with generational wounds. Wow. Thank you. That was a whole lot. I hope you guys were taking some serious notes or rewind, rewind, rewind this podcast. You know, I was so glad that you mentioned the physical ailments of, you know, just these generational wounds, because a lot of times we just think it's just here, and if we can just ignore it, or whatever, or stay in denial, you know, whatever, that it'll all be okay, but the body is always, always telling, and I thought that it was interesting that you said that it's got a lot of gastrointestinal, right, because I know for me, um, I would not, I, I, my gut will tell me, we say, follow your gut, you know, follow your gut <laughs> instinct, right? And because, you know, I had so much experience with being torn down, I didn't trust my gut. So mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, it makes sense that I would have issues with gastrointestinal because that stuff is trying to come up. Like, even when you mentioned yeah. about people being angry and they can't talk without, you know, Oh, the head and the this and the that and just going off and you go, hey, I mean, I, that's not a slam to anybody because I was the queen of that. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? So this is not a slam to anybody. But even within that, in that anger, is that 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 wound, that generational wound, trying to say, hey, I need to be addressed? Like, is is that what's happening when the body is just holding all of this? 
We do hold it, yes. And the body will find many ways to release it. One is, you know, this excessive movement. And um and please don't I hope don't don't uh email me and tell me how culturally appropriate I, I get I get that there are cultural nuances in there. Totally get that. I'm talking about beyond beyond that. And even with cultural nuances, we can all we can all uh, adjust for variation in cultural context, etc. And so I'm talking about when something, when you have this trait or characteristic that you cannot control or manage under any circumstances. So no matter what the circumstances, the behavior is always present without your conscious intervention. I'm saying that is likely a generational wound expressing itself, right? Crying is great. Everybody needs to cry, I think. But when you constantly have no control over the tears that come out of your eye, no matter what the circumstances or situation, doesn't matter if somebody just told you somebody died or you watch sitting there in front of a movie, the nine o'clock movie with tears coming, it all feels the same. It's just all you know is that something is being released. I'm saying when you have no control over what's happening to you emotionally, then that is something to look at because generational wounds will keep cueing you in to take a peek inside, take a peek inside, take a peek inside. That's all it's saying. So absolutely, I believe that it's connected. Uh, isn't you know isn't that scary though i know that was like so scary to like sit with it because that's not your um that's not your instinct right when you start feeling pain it's like no i want to get out of this you know so you know then we're taught well think of something else or i know what was big used to be big in my family back in the day or with my grandmother was you gotta pray you're not praying hard enough that you know all of this type of stuff to try to really distract from the fact that we're yes. in pain yes. you know and so i you know it that's a hard thing and i think um i, I, I maybe you want to speak to this more that you know the only way out is through and like you just that's what we you, say it's important yeah to, to sit with it yes the only way out is through and if we're, if, and so the challenge is to sit in the moment where we can catch the reaction, catch the response so we can hold it. We hold it long enough to look at it, examine it, maybe understand that it doesn't belong to us or that it does belong to us, but it's time to release it. But if we're always reacting, just the tears, you know, every time you talk to somebody, they just start crying. If I start, if you start crying every time I talk to you, I'm going to stop talking to you. And if I stop talking to you, you're going to stop getting feedback because no one, people will literally, I've, I've seen people like this. No one talks to them. They don't get feedback because no one wants to hurt their feelings. And so, so they don't get the feedback that they need to to even heal the wound. It'll get passed down to the next generation. Something has to give, something has to be contained to stop the response, to stop the reaction so that you can develop a response instead of a reaction, to stop the reaction long enough for you to look at it and examine it 
And if it belongs in the past, there are ways, i.e. therapy, empowerment, partner, counseling, you choose, but oftentimes we need some sort of support and assistance to help us look deeper because we have been so invested in hiding instead of healing those wounds, especially when we are taught to be silent in it, right? Then we often need, need help releasing those. So yes, the idea of sitting with it, and if you can't sit with it alone, then find the appropriate help to show you how to sit with it and sit in it, sit with it with you. Don't sit in it with you, Stuart, but sit sit with you in it. You know, and you know, and 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 that's like another challenge, right? Um, outside of sitting, uh, outside of sitting with it, is to just be, you know, real about what's what what's really happening. I know sometimes yep. um, we look for what's out there. What is this? Is that? If that wouldn't have happened, then I would not have had this reaction. You know, and it's like, well, then it. it it's still the the raging, and I know that was for me. It was like always. Sometimes I do. I was at a point where I could admit that it was me, but a lot of times I was just triggered by every freaking wonder that I could even get through a day, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, that's you know that's that that's really hard to really sit and admit that okay i have to eat some of these situations i'm in right like you know it's like okay i'm getting into these relationships with abusive men and you know they used, then i used to sit around with you know some other women you know uh if you could all say about how there's no good men out there you know all men are dogs this that and the other right and um and then you have some well you know this is what happens you know in relationships mm -hmm. sometimes it's, you know so is that but even all of that is learned behavior but at some point i had to say wait a minute I'm, what is happening with me that I am attracted to people who are abusive? What is that? Where did that come from, right? And then that's hard to even admit, oh, that's what I grew up with. That's what I know, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's hard. But, you know, I mean, the thing is, is that if you want to heal, healing is not Cakewalk. It is not a cakewalk. It's not for the faint of heart. It's just like people say, you know, um, hey, healing is not for wussies. Let's let's just you just got to be sick and tired of being sick and tired of yes. being sick and tired, you know, and just ready to just say, okay, no, I'm gonna do this because I'm tired of being in pain, right? So yeah. that that leads me. I'm sorry, I'm going go on a tangent here, but that leads me like to the to the uh, next question, which is. What can we do as adults, right? Because there's always a lot focused on helping children heal wounds, right? But a lot, it's a lot of us adults, right? Unwittingly or unwittingly pass down those generation wounds. So what can we do as adults to begin to break the stranglehold that many of these wounds have on us? And I know that, you know, awareness and acknowledgement are key, but 
Okay, after one becomes aware of certain patterns, right? Um, what can they do now to interrupt those patterns? Well, that's the $60,000 question. So, um, but it's also uh, an opportunity for me to really encourage people to join this healing challenge. Join the wow. healing challenge. Go to healingchallenge2022.com. Sign up today, like right now. What you waiting for? Go, right? No, <laughs> seriously. Like sign up for the healing. Because one of the things that we're trying to do in this challenge is normalizing the healing journey. So unfortunately, some again, until people's lives fall apart, we're like the people who only go to the doctor when we're in pain. We know that's not a great thing, right? But we don't pay attention to what we're doing. We're just like, oh, I got a pain. I go to the doctor. And it's not when we first get the pain. It's when we can no longer walk or when we are, you know, doubled over or, you know, something else. And so, uh, so we do the same thing emotionally. Like we don't seek help until, you know, uh, someone had put all our stuff out on the street, right? Or... Uh, someone has has bankrupt us or something something else well we find out we can no longer deny that that an extramarital affair is going on something big has to happen and i'm like but you know if you just get on the healing journey and stay on the healing journey then you will have a much greater bandwidth to deal with anything that comes up in your life and you're not just constantly in crisis mode only only able to hang on when crisis come and then we deal with the crisis and we go back to survival mode. So as we are now, most people, most people fluctuate between survival mode and crisis, survival mode and crisis. They deal with the crisis, then they go back to survival mode. Then they wait for the next crisis. That's what I call, and we've talked about this before and we'll talk about it again, addiction to pain. Because mm. the pain never really subsides or go away right? One of the things that happen is that when we don't deal with those generational wounds, then we develop a high tolerance for pain so that we don't have to heal it. That's what the mind does. It's like we develop a high tolerance for pain so we don't have to heal it, right? Wow, so that's, that's something. Right. And so wow. what do we do? What we do is start paying attention and addressing to understand and see and admit how it shows up in our daily lives every day in ways that's not a crisis, but surely is inconvenient, less empathy, right? And we're not quite getting what we want. So in, throughout our day, we find ourselves needing to be right. That's a big one. When you find yourself needing to be right, just needing to be right, that's a good time to say, Hmm, what's that about? When you find yourself worried, anxious, because the person that you text didn't text you back in four hours, and you're now wondering, what's wrong with them? Am I good enough? Or, to get, or you find yourself compromising and doing things that you don't want to do because you are really afraid that if you don't do these things, someone's not going to love you. Like these are all sort of maladaptive behaviors that take us away from our most authentic selves. Because as you say, you stopped learning to trust that a long time ago. And so what we do, we do, we do the small things 
don't wait for the big things. You heal it little by little by getting on the healing journey, changing the environment in which you cultivate these maladaptive behaviors or they support these maladaptive behaviors. That may mean getting some higher quality friends, meaning friends who, who have high value for mental wellness, right? That may mean going to different places. I have some friends who will tell you, we don't spend a lot of time together because their idea of a good time is going out and eating. That's not my idea of good time. Now you invite me to the gym, I'm there, right? I'm there. I don't want to go out every time we, I don't mind, but that can't be the way our friendship survives. It's not my lifestyle. It's not my lifestyle. And so decide what you want your life to look like. And a good way to do that is by reading material on wellness. Again, a reason to have the book. So start recreating a life that's peaceful and based on agreement, not compliance right? I'm just doing what people want to do because I don't think people are like me if I don't, right? So, but you have to start reading about what, what wellness is because when we have not been introduced to wellness and we have not spent a lot of time in environments where wellness matters, we don't even know that we are unwell. We think you have to, we think you're supposed to fight with your partner all the time. That's not true. We think you're supposed to beat your kids until they, that's not true. We think you're supposed to cuss out the teacher if she don't give your kid a, that like we so learn. We may need to read a book or two, listen to some tapes, experience in the world and know that there are some people out there like Dr. Singleton, like Dr. Bakari, like some people who have no letters behind their name, who literally live in peace most days, not second by second, but we know how to grab it. We know when we have the absence of it. And when we have the absence of it, we know how to restore it because we understand that that's what we're constantly moving toward. When you are with people who are constantly moving toward conflict, that is also where they're going to lead you. So I say the short answer is pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. Hmm. Because those coming behind you deserve it. And so do you. Oh my goodness. Yes, 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 yes. All of that. And that's why this, um, this community that we've created is so important because yep. you know, you're not isolated and you are around people who are working towards becoming a better them, so to speak. Not that anything is wrong with us, but the best version, you know, of ourselves that we're showing up in the world as opposed to, well, I'm just, just trying to survive my life, you know? And it's so, I can't express how important it's been just to have people who know the deal, you know? Yep. And they're not judging you, you know? And they're not telling you what to do, you know? you Because so many of us, like you said earlier, we just don't have the space to even be vulnerable. Yep. To even say, hey, I'm hurting. To even yep. say, hey, I need help. That was like the hardest thing for me to say for a long time was, yeah. I need help because it's like, you know, I was like, strong black woman syndrome. You know, I, yeah, I can, you know, you know, I'm not supposed to let this crack me or, you know, yeah. all of this type of stuff, you know, but to have a community where, yep, get it, 
I yep. know it. And you know, you can just release all of that. That is so important. So thank you so much, Dr. Bakari. Um, would you like to read an excerpt from the healing journey? Everybody, you know, Ooh, this is the book. Yes. Can you hold it to the light? Cause it's blurry. Let me hold, let me get uh -oh, it's, it's blurry. Okay. Are we getting it now? Let me see. Mine is blurry too. It's hard to get in there. It's hard to get it in there. Okay, there we go. The healing journey. Oh yeah, I can see that better. Yeah, there we go. The healing journey uh, by Dr. Rosina Bacari, the healing journey relationships and wellness guide. Okay, oh, right. and when you go to healingchallenge2022.com, you can see where you can also order the book. So yes, indeed, because we're gonna get we're gonna jump into it in January. I mean, into some detail. You want to have the book. So, okay, yes. are you going to read an excerpt for us? Yes, I'm going to read a little excerpt from it. Uh, and I don't, and I, and I, uh, yeah, okay, little excerpt. Awesome. Changing our familiar usually requires changing our inner circle. While many people attempt to change something small while keeping everything else the same, healing immerses people in change. The easiest way to initiate change is to open ourselves up to new experiences. Instead of convincing ourselves to reject holiday invitation from our family, we can say yes to a friend's holiday invitation. Of course, we must first embrace the part of the healing journey in which we make friends and begin spending time with them. Change is not simple and it doesn't occur overnight. Living in toxic environments during childhood strips us of the opportunity to discover who we are. Groomed as secret keepers, enablers, caregivers, and hostages, we learn to focus on others instead of ourselves and center our likes, dislikes, and goals around safety instead of growth. In a dysfunctional environment, Safety is perceived as the condition in which harm is absent. Children may think if they're not getting into trouble or disappointing people, they're safe. Adults may continue trying to create the, the, the conditions for an absence of harm by engaging in perfectionism, hyper-empathy, or numbing behaviors. But avoidance of harm is not the same as safety. And this focus on staying safe does not support us in growing into our authentic selves. Getting to know the familiar parts of ourselves that have always been resourceful, brave, and talented rewires the brain. It may require spending time in new places and doing new things. I started writing almost daily when I began the healing journey. I was discovering a whole new aspect of myself. Once I began exploring my inner child, I had to train my body to stay awake past 11 o'clock to participate in open mic po open, open poetry nights. These events often lasted until one o'clock in the morning. A few years into the poetry scene, several people showed me poems I had written that I didn't remember writing. I also found decades old writing projects that I had forgotten about. I'll never know how much I had written before I knew I was a writer, but I'm so glad that I rediscovered it. The more I healed, the more I wrote. The more I wrote, the more I healed. 
writing to heal was connecting to my inner child. So go within to find your joy and your laughter and help build a healthy familiar. When the outer world misunderstands or rejects the new you, your inner world must be strong enough and confident enough to continue the restructuring. Permit yourself to experiment instead of expecting to have all the answers. Learning that life is not a pass or fail test. Life consists of trial and error. It requires resilience and tolerance for the unfamiliar. You don't need to go on a fancy expensive trip to find yourself. You can go to a friend's network meeting that you keep putting off because you hate being around people. You can sleep in on a Sunday morning instead of going to worship because it's what you've always done. Change your grooming patterns. Spend time with people of different races, ages, sexual orientations. Unscript your life. Then strip your life until you get to your most authentic self. 